Podcast. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. On this episode of Missing the Point, now that the dust has settled from the Boston Celtics front office shakeup, We'll look to address Brad Stevens' first major move of the offseason as president of baseball operations, finding his replacement as head coach. We'll take a look at some of the top candidates and who has the best fit to take the helm of this young Celtics team. Jason Tatum was left off the All-NBA team despite having some of the most prolific scoring showings throughout the NBA season. We'll discuss if the snub was justified. And also we'll check in on the remaining teams in the NBA playoffs and see which teams have the best chances of being named NBA champions. This is Missing the Point. Episode 67, but it's all relative. Welcome to Missing the Point. My name is Joe Malk, and I'm your host this evening. Joined by Bob Kelly, Mike Marcangelo, and Craig Delosandro, and... uh, we, we have a lot to talk about. We don't really know where to start with this one, so we're going to start in the NBA. And the reason we're going to start in the NBA is we had uh, Joe Sway Pavone down in the comments or in the uh, show notes below, thanks, Craig, uh, on last week to talk about the Boston Celtics, the state of the Boston Celtics. And now that we're more than a week removed from Danny Ainge stepping down and Brad Stevens taking over as president of basketball operations, the Boston Bruins are still without a head coach. Boston Bruins, Boston Celtics are still without a head coach. So wait, uh, well, something happened. The, Bru- the Bruins might be without a GM soon, but we'll, we'll get to that. Their head coach can stay for now. But d- d- in terms of the Celtics, and I guess the first thing we'll bring up is this billboard that's that's now on I ninety on the Mass Pike. That is, Bobby, you had it right there. If you want to read what the the billboard says, yeah. So specifically, it's right on the Mass Pike outside the Celtics practice facility. It's time to shake it up. Hire Kara or Becky. Which, I mean, I, I think that speaks for itself. Yeah, we talked about this, right? So we, we brought this up the last time. We reacted the day that all this happened and had this conversation of who's going to be the next head coach. And really, the second half of that show was us just geeking over who the next head coach of the Boston Celtics is going to be. And nothing really has happened yet. And, and here's my hot take. I think there's a chance that Brad Stevens is still the head coach of this team by the time the regular season starts. Yeah, I just uh, – all the reports coming out saying that he was burnt out of being the head coach. And, I mean, we, we, there was a report uh, in one of the in, in one of the, the big outlets over the last couple of weeks – or the last couple of days, sorry, that he lost the locker room and he knows it. So he can't go back now. He can't. He has to do something to inspire change. And, you know, if you listen to that interview with, with, with Joe Sway, what you'll hear is that 
the players were visibly shaken and upset when Kara Lawson left her for Duke, right? And so you, you got to get her. I mean, I understand that she may have that commitment where she went there to win a ring. She recruited. Her season was stopped by COVID. I think she's like four and one as a head coach. But in reality, she was one of the uh, one of the people that that was working with Marcus Smart to tweak his three point shooting. She also has commanded the respect of everyone in that locker room, which is it feels like something that Brad lost. So you, in my, in my opinion, you got to do you you have to do something like that. And uh, honestly, I'm over the whole like let's hire a, a woman. I think she's the most qualified. I, I, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me that she happens to also be a woman. I, I think now is the time to do something like this. And when you have someone that commands the respect of, of professional basketball players that, that have already been around around the coach and that were sad when they left, you bring them back if you can. And that's what they need to do. We, we've seen it in sports at multiple levels men's sports, women's sports, college level, professional level now. I mean, Pat Summit is one of the best college coaches of all time. One of the best college coaches of all time. That's end of sentence. She was incredible at the University of Tennessee, commanded players, and even worked with the men's team there while she was there and never coached them, but worked with them. And and the court is named after her. So when you say that Carol Lawson and Becky Hammond, you know, the billboard says shake it up, which I like shake it up because it is different. But at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. They're, They're both qualified to be the head coach of the Boston Celtics. They're both qualified to be the head coach of an NBA team. I think they're both great options. I I can still see to back up what I said earlier is that Brad Stevens, if he, as the president of basketball operations can shake that team up enough from that position, I think there's still a chance that he could be the head coach. But Mike, I pose this question to you. Could Danny Ainge have been part of the problem as to why he lost the locker room or he was burnt out. And to that end, I brought up Kyrie in the past. That move to me was still pretty transcendent in that locker room. And I, I don't think that helped the situation. Yeah. I mean, I think for Danny, right. If if you want to go back to that Kyrie move 11 times out of 10, when that, when a player like Kyrie is available, you have to go get him. 100%. You just have to do it and and you let the chips fall where they may. Right. And for us, it it didn't work out the way that it should have, or the way that we, the the way that we hoped that it would have. I think if you look at the team that was constructed around Kyrie, when he first got here with Gordon Hayward, you know, that was a team that on paper could compete with anybody in the NBA at that given time. Right. So kudos to Danny for putting that together. And not to mention, one of the things that, that, that we were really talking about this year was the lack of, uh, of a bench presence. If you really think about it, that bench got them to the Eastern Conference Finals that year. Sure. So, so Danny did everything that he needed to do that year to, to, to put a winning team together and to back up, you know, or just to, to recall something that I had said uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think both Danny and Brad were fired. Danny wasn't owed any uh, that much more money left. Brad was, so they did what they had to do. Uh, but I think the original point, and I, I know Bobby wants to chime in uh, too, I, I think now is the time to do something. And whether that something is a Becky Hammond, a Kara Lawson, a Sam Cassell, it's something that that will fundamentally change the way that the players react to the head coach. Yeah, no, I just, I completely agree with that. That like, when it comes to Brad Stevens, 
there's no way he can be back in the head coaching chair next year. I, I get what you're saying. I do think it's a possibility a few years down the road. Either he comes back to the Celtics as a head coach or is someone out, somewhere else as a head coach. But you can't put him back in the head coaching chair next year. To, to, to make that big of a move at, at this time, at directly after the season ended, to dismiss him as head coach and put him as the president, then just to put him back, it would be like backtracking all over again. It would just it would put you back a couple of spots and where you just were. When it comes to Carol Lawson, I think she's the best head coach possible. When you think about this group of guys, it's such a young young group when it comes to how they see the world. You know what I mean? Like you think about this generation right now, the way they see everything. If there's ever a time to put a woman as head coach, it's a group like this because they don't see it as putting a woman as a head coach. They see it as a basketball mind who's going to come in here and command the respect of that locker room. Which is great in an NBA locker room to to throw it in there, which is great in an NBA locker room because we know all the stigmas and the stereotypes of an NBA team, of an NBA player, NBA locker room. And that that would is exactly what it is. And I think I, I hope the players, I, I just don't like when players mutiny, no matter what level it's at. And I don't think that happened here in, in terms of, relieving brad or i i disagree with you wholeheartedly mike that i don't think they were fired i i think maybe one of them was maybe maybe it was danny but that different conversation well there's a difference but well there's a difference between a mutiny and losing the locker room so i completely agree there i don't think oh, I, I mean a mutiny in the sense that i don't want them to be like i'm not going to play if carol lawson's not hired kind of thing that's, that's more what i'm saying or or in the terms of like, we're not going to play for Brad anymore. I saw that at the college level, not me personally, but I've actually seen it multiple times, including with a school in Massachusetts this year where the players refused to play for a coach. And it ultimately, and this wasn't basketball, and it ultimately ended up in the coach being relieved of his duties. Now, was it the right decision? Probably the program wasn't moving in the right direction, but that kind of stuff is stuff that I don't like to see. You still have to control that room. but. If a guy like Marcus Smart, and this, this brings up another question, if a guy like Marcus Smart is saying, hey, you know, Kara would be great. Like, can, can you know, Brad, can we go get her? She, we, we loved her when she was here. We played well when she was here. I may do that if I'm Brad Stevens, partly because that could keep Marcus Smart around and make him better. That's a whole different topic. I, if, if we're talking about keeping Marcus Smart around, then we're opening up a whole different can of worms. But. I also think that it, it, it comes to a point, too, where Brad knows Carol Lawson knows his system. Because like we just said, she's been here as assistant coach. She's done camp with them. She knows how to motivate these guys and get them to buy into this system. Right. So I, I think that has a lot to go along with it, too. The only thing that makes me think it could might not be her is, I don't know if you guys saw this report this week, but they said the biggest thing that they're looking for is head coaching experience. The only experience she has is at Duke in that shortened season. So that goes against her where I think that they could be looking at a guy like Nate McMillan, who's coached a long time in the NBA. Well, that wipes out half of the list of coaches. I mean, it does. It does wipe out a lot. But that's listen. that was that was one of the reports I saw that they were looking for coaching head coaching experience. So I I hope that's not the way they go, because I do think Chauncey, Carol Lawson and those names, Becky Hammond, are the way to go. But that's what the report saw. So I think Nate McMillan's a good dark horse here, too. It would be a mistake for them to go after someone that has NBA coaching experience just to go after someone that has NBA coaching experience. You now have a president of basketball operations who 
has eight years of nine years of NBA coaching experience with the team that he is now the president of basketball operations. Well, to that point, though, Joe, to, to, to the team that he's the president of the basketball operations for, that he has zero experience of being the president of the, back, the basketball back. operations for. Yeah, but see, I but but see here, this is this is where the college game is going to come in for him because when he was at Butler, that's who runs the show. When you're the head coach of a program that's that big, you're basically the president. I mean, he knew every single person that he recruited that he brought yeah. in, and and that's that's the experience he has. And I actually think that that can almost be more valuable, especially at the level that he did it, where he really had to go out and get kids to want to come to Butler that would go to other otherwise bigger programs, sometimes not necessarily, but otherwise bigger programs. And it's kind of the same problem that we have here in Boston. Free agents don't want to sign here. It's not a destination city. So I think that experience for Brad will come into play. Now, you're absolutely right. Does he have experience as a president of basketball operations? No, but it's like on a job application when it says, oh, we want you to have five years of experience. It's like, well, you're not always going to get that. And sometimes the best thing to do is get somebody that you can mold and put into your spot that you want to be what you want it to be. And I, I have another point. I'll let you guys jump on that. But I, I have another point about Brad being moved to, to basketball operations. Okay, can we just agree on one thing that the coach that does come in and here needs to be in a completely different mold than Brad Stevens. It cannot yes. be this basketball mind, this this strategist type guy drawing up the play chalkboard type. It has to be someone who's going to really put some emotion into this club. And that's why the top four names we bring up are perfect. Right. Exactly. I completely agree. And that's why those guys are those top candidates. But like what it comes down to is like we definitely need a change of voice in here. And those four, I, we keep saying guys, those fo- four you coaching candidates, guys. I know I do. Those four <laughs> coaching candidates are are what personify that. And, and, and I love the direction they're going. I will be very disappointed if we end up with a Nate McMillan or someone like that, because like you just said, man, we need change in here. Mike, I, I want to pose this question to you regarding Brad Stevens. With him leaving the coaching role, after the there were the rumors of him going to to Indiana and them wanting a head coach that has head coaching experience already, so not necessarily somebody that needs to be groomed. Is this a short term position for Brad Stevens? And is there a chance that he goes back to the college level within the next five years? Yeah, I, I think so. It's an interesting question because I, I think that both answers that I'm about to give could be validated. I think if there's initial success that this could turn into a, a more of a long-term role, right? Like if, if the personnel that he brings in along with the coach, if they mesh well, if they, if they, you know, 82 game season, next year, let's say that they, they win 50 games, they, they make a big push. Maybe they, they even get to the finals. I think if they get to the finals, Brad is, Brad would want to be here, to, would want to be here to stay. However, if you see another seven, eight, six seed kind of finish again next year. I don't think that he's, I don't think he's long for this role because he's young. He has this, uh, this moniker or this mystique around him as, as being a really great head coach that NBA players really, that NBA coaches really love. They fear that commands respect, not only in the NBA, but in the NCAA. So I don't see why, if you're him, you would stay to be mediocre Sure. Uh, when you can go somewhere else to be paid exponentially more and ha- and literally control, like as you said, Joe, the entire thing—not only the recruiting, but the, but the plays that are run on the court. 
Yeah. When you have the opportunity to run the entire program, that's where a guy like Brad Stevens wants to be. And mentioned it the last time we talked about this a couple of weeks ago is that Brad Stevens is 44 years old, uh, the same age that Danny Ainge was when he took over as a president of basketball operations for the Celtics. And the more I think about it and the more I talk about it, there's kind of an ominous cloud over this entire situation is they're not you you look at this situation with the head coach they have four great options if they want any one of them or maybe not carol Lawson. maybe she wants to stay at duke fine maybe not becky hammond maybe she wants to take over for pop in san antonio fine but i think you could go out and get sam cassell and chauncey billups in a heartbeat but if you don't to me if you don't go out (laughs) for me If you don't go out and get one of those four coaching candidates to come in and coach this team with this young team in the direction that it is, and Brad can't put together something for that coach to work with, there's just so many unknowns with the Celtics team. And it's amazing that it's happened in two years' time. We've seen the Nets rebuild. We've seen the Milwaukee Bucks stay about where they are. They're, They're an interesting team to watch play. We've seen the Miami Heat. They're they're about as good as they were last year, but we're seeing a lot of good teams still remaining. I mean, we're going West Western Conference now, but the Phoenix Suns are so much fun to watch. The LA Clippers are a lot of fun to watch. So you're we're coming from a, a spot where the Boston Celtics were one of the most fun teams to watch in the NBA two years ago to now a, a seven seed. And it's amazing that after all that success, that a, a seven seed uh, and having to play in the playing game, which I, we really can't put i mean it's a factor but it's such a silly factor i think that was one of the worst moves the nba made this year i actually but i I, conversely i loved it i loved it i i I liked it every second of it i liked it because it added a little bit extra but i think it didn't do brad and danny any favors so maybe it's just me looking at it through a green lens basically is what it is Um, i like that green i like that yeah yeah, green team but the the thing is with this team is it really was that what you can't expect to plug five guys who haven't had any real legitimate NBA experience in, in crunch time minutes and expect them to actually compete with the best of the NBA. So that's really where, like, as good as Danny was for all those years, that was his downfall. Was that twenty from twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen, he didn't go out and get those guys that we need to win a championship. He didn't go out and get those James Posies. He didn't go out. Those Spencer Dinwiddie's, he didn't go, you know what I mean? Those role players that you need. Instead, we have an Aaron Neesmith playing those minutes. We have a Tremont Waters playing playoff games. We have these guys that have no business even being in an NBA game, playing crunch time minutes. That's Bobby. I don't mean to cut you off. I I sincerely do not mean to do that. But would you rather have role players that, that you fill in every year, like different role players, or would you rather groom a, a player like a Naismith to be that guy. And if you do that, don't you have to play him in these minutes now to make sure that he is the guy that you want him to be in a year or two? Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, you still, you can't just rely on them. You know what I mean? That's the thing is like, we were relying on these guys for the minutes. What it comes down to is like, yes, you want to get them those crunch time minutes, but you can't rely on a rookie in a, Crunch time, like think of oh, so think about it this way: Tyler Harrow last year, yes, the, he was very important for the Heat. Killed, he there. killed us. Killed us. Did they need him? No, they didn't need him. 
Well, but Bobby, that wasn't the intention of the Celtics. That wasn't the intention. Right. And I, so, so that's where my point was going was like, that's where Danny Ainge. Really I, no, but that's, that's, that's my point is that he went astray because he didn't bring those playmakers in, but those guys getting those minutes this early in their career was not his intention. And what I mean by that is, and the most recent example I can use is the other night, in the Brooklyn Nets game where you had James Harden sitting on the bench with a hamstring and you had Kyrie Irving go down in the second quarter with an ankle injury. And all you had out there was Kevin Durant who missed 23 games in the regular season anyway, but is still one of the best scorers in the league. But you then were relying on guys that you didn't necessarily have to rely on. So what you just said about, about Tyler Harrow, did they have to rely on him? Nope. That's why he had a better season last year than he did this year, because he was under the radar. Did the Nets have to rely on Joe Harris during the Celtics series? No, that's why he played as well as he did. Now they have to rely on him in this series because he's going to get more minutes uh, along with Blake Griffin and some of these other guys, but there he wasn't shooting as well the other night. So my overall overarching point is when they brought in Gordon Hayward, he got hurt. Those guys had to get more minutes. They brought in Kemba Walker. He got hurt. Those guys had to get more minutes. And Clay Thompson was a shell of himself in Boston. Tristan so, Thompson. I, wish, Tristan I Thompson. wish, I wish we had, wish we I know. Had I wish we had Clay, Clay Thompson. Thompson. Sorry. I, I literally did a shell of Clay Thompson. One. I'm in. Yeah, I know. But Tr- Tristan Thompson. <laughs> sorry. So the, the point is that, they shouldn't have had to rely on them. And that wasn't the intention. It ended up that way because he didn't bring in the role maker. So the role player. So I agree with you, but I also disagree with you. Yeah. Well, that, which is common. I, I, I think that if, <laughs> I think that our, that our conversation is exponentially different. If Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker are healthy, right? Because that, we're having that's what you're talking about, about right now. Yeah. Then what you're talking about is, is a situation where, where Naismith and where your boy Peyton Pritchard are, are filling the role that they were designed to fill in their rookie year. Right. But I mean, to your other point, just as a counter, the Boston Celtics led the, the Miami heat in every single fourth quarter of that series last year. So yes, the heat did need Tyler Harrow to go off like that. They needed him to do it. It was required of that to happen for them to win that game. So, but was it expected? No, but he was there. And I, I think your overarching point is we did, we did not have a, a Tyler Harrow on this team. In reality, it's because the starters that we had were not enough to complement the starters of the opposing team. Yeah, and and, and to, when you think about that team last year, how much how like how how much we took that team for granted? Yeah, for what we saw this year. It, 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 the talent level on that team last year was 10 times what we had this year. It, it, they were so much better on so many aspects of the game. And that's why, like, when you look at this season, is like I always look at it with a grain of salt now after it's all done and wrapped up. And you can look at it as an overall, like, actual season. That team that we had was nowhere near we talked ourselves into, like, oh, they could be a championship contender at the beginning of the season. We t- no goddamn way. You look at the way that team was constructed from top to bottom, they were nowhere near as talented as they were the year before. And and, and I know I, you could go back and run the tapes. I know. I, w- I was ready to have the parade. But yep. like, oh, we, we all were. When you actually look at that team, it, it wasn't anywhere near what we expected a Boston Celtics talent level to be. We had Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kemba, who was a shell of himself, and then a bunch of unknowns, literally nine unknowns. The year before, we had Gordon Hayward. Unknown, yeah, but he's still Gordon Hayward. No, he's pretty known. We have Jason Tatum. 
We have I can't even think of the rest of the team. Kemba Walker. We Kemba. We have Daniel Tice last year. Daniel Tice. Who else? I don't even remember. But anyways, I know you said that. I, shut up, <laughs> Joe. Do you know <laughs> the first one Craig thought of? But anyways, but like it, it's just it, it's, it was a different level, and and I think this year coming up, Brad is going to make a lot of moves this upcoming year, and we're going to see a different talent level on the court. I just hope he hires the right person to coach him. Fair point in fact. Can we just talk about – I know Joe was just telling me he was going to go to this, but I, I just want to see – I want to be the person to elicit this reaction from Bobby. Jason Tatum is not an all-NBA player. Don't do that. But, but, all right. So, let, let, thank you for the segue, Mike. You're welcome. So, the NBA released its all NBA teams today, June 15th, today. Like you guys know what day it is. Yep. They released their all NBA teams on June 15th. It's a Tuesday. It's a great day, Tuesday all day. And here are, here is your 2020 2021 all NBA first team. Receiving the most first place votes with 100 first place votes is Milwaukee's Giannis Atenacumpo, 500 total points. He had no second team votes, no third team votes. Nikola Jokic from Denver, Steph Curry, Golden State, Luka Doncic, Dallas, Kawhi Leonard, LA, the Clippers, that is. That's your first team. Your second team, Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, Chris Paul, Julius Randle, and LeBron James. Your third team is Rudy Gobert, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving. Tell me who he replaces on there. Jason, so hang on. Well, let me say that. So Jason Tatum is listed as the next point getter, which actually doesn't make sense here, guys, which I just noticed. I don't know if you noticed this, but he actually has, he's listed as a forward. So fine. But he has more. He had more total points than Kyrie. He replaces Paul George, dude. He replaces uh, Paul George and Jimmy Butler. See, but here's the thing: where we say replaces, these are all voted on. Yeah, but you yeah, but you asked the question like who who on there does he replace? Sure. So these these are all voted on by players and media and, and everything else. So why does he replace Paul George? Because he's a better player. Well, okay, so he replaces Paul George because he's a better player. He's he's on the up. Paul George is on there because he's the name. But in reality, if you want my total honest opinion of this list, it's absolute trash. Yeah, Kevin Durant, garbage. Kevin Durant's not on it. Kevin Durant is listed in that same same level as Jason Tatum. Right. He received one first place vote, four second place votes, and six third place votes. You cannot have an all NBA team. He missed 23 games, Mike. That doesn't matter. He, he missed 23 games. I mean, we, we had conversations when Kyrie was here and while he was with other teams that he missed half the season and still made the all-star game. So it, it does matter. You have to play in order to, to get the votes to be put on these teams. Yeah, but so, okay. So then maybe that's the only rationale that can hold against Jason Tatum is this COVID bout, and that's why he missed games. But literally, like, I know this isn't about Tatum right now, but this is what I need to go off about. Because, <laughs> listen, this dude literally carried this team the entire season, right? Since he came back from COVID, he had two weeks where he was bad. The last three months of this season or two months, he scored 50 points four fucking times. Four times. He scored 60 points twice. Or no. No, he scored 50 points three times, 60 points once. My bad. I was at the 60-point game. Felt like twice. But so 
the, the levels this dude went to to end this season, you're telling me you're going to put Jimmy Butler ahead of him on this list. Get out of here, man. Paul George, like, it, it just the levels of play, he went to superstardom levels. If we were a podcast out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we were looking at this Celtics team from the outside in, and we saw this list, would you say that Jason Tatum belongs on these teams? Yeah. So take your, take yourself out of being a Boston. Take take off the green lenses. And do you think Jason Tatum belongs on one of these teams? There were how many games that they played this year? It wasn't 82. It was what? It was 72. Okay, so 72 games. Yes, so Jason Tatum was one of the most impactful players in the league in the games that he played. And he played more than half, more than three quarters of the entire schedule. So yes, I, I would have him on that list. The same thing I would say to your point about, about Durant. Yeah, he missed 23 games. Yeah, I get it. But in the 35 games that he started, he averaged 27 points, seven rebounds, six assists. You're just a top 10 player in the league at that point in time. And I, I get it. He didn't play the, the full season. He missed 23 games. I'm not saying that he only started 10. Like Those stats that I just read off to you are not a 10-game sample size. It's an overwhelming majority of the season. So in that instance, yeah, I, I believe that players like that, the players that like that should be on that list. And when it's not, and when they're not on the list, it kind of negates it. And, and the last thing that I'll say is Jason Tatum, because he wasn't, he wasn't named to an all NBA team. He miss he, he, he does not get the $32 million bump in his rookie contract extension. So not only does he lose out on the money, but he should he didn't deserve that because in a season where it was defined by overcoming the odds and COVID and coming back, you know, too soon and making sure that we all had the pleasure of watching the games, he was there. And in the games that he showed up, he was one of, if not the best player on the court at most times. When you put in a clause in your contract to make more money as it's voted on by as you don't really have the ultimate control over it. I think that's silly. Well, it's super confident. It's just super, it's which, really- which is fine, but we're also looking. We're also looking at forwards: uh, Atenakumpo, Leonard, Randall, James, Butler, George. Do Do I agree with you that he should have? If he was on the third team, I'd say fine. I don't think he necessarily belonged higher than that. Yeah, but I also don't think LeBron James. LeBron James is again the one that was voted on because of the name. He missed he missed 21 games. LeBron James this year. He missed 21 games due to the high ankle sprain and makes the second team and you're going to leave KD and Tatum off and it, it it just you're right. It's all because of the name and the votes. It's a popularity contest. Well, the NBA is always a popularity contest yeah. and this league has has always been that and we all know it. We all see it. I don't necessarily agree with you guys that Tatum was robbed. I think he deserves to be on the third team, maybe. Yeah, but I don't think he was robbed. I mean, I I, I think it, it is what it is. I think the, the you know when Bobby says, "Well, he did this and he scored fifty games in this many games in a row," and it's like, well, man, that's because they had to lean on him. Like he he was the literal crutch of the Boston Celtics because they had nothing else at that point because of injuries, because of. Uh, lack of buy-in because of whatever the reason was. So I just think that the, the, the Celtics were more of a, I don't want to call them a dumpster fire. 
Yeah, that's right. You, yeah, you oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly the right thing what they were. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> and, and, and and we just didn't we just didn't know how much of a dumpster fire it was, and I think that that's another. I mean, I'm not an NBA savant, right? Those two are not in attendance tonight. But what I will say is, I don't have a problem with the first and second team. In reality, I don't have a problem with those. Third team, though, if you can't find a reason to put in a uh, Jason Tatum or a Kevin Durant or even like a James Harden and, and on, on that list, there's an issue because those three, they're the cream of the crop. And they are better than a Jimmy Butler, a Paul George. And yeah, I, I think those two are, are are the biggest, the two biggest considerations for me. Bradley Beal deserves to be there. I think the way I see it, what, what upsets me the most is when you think about this NBA season and the storylines and what we talked about and what you remember, what I'm going to remember is Kevin Durant coming back from that damn Achilles injury like like an absolute champion and Jason Tatum elevating to a completely different level. You know what I'm not going to remember? Paul George being Paul George and, and choking in big moments and, and having stats that, that, yes, he was great, but he wasn't something – it wasn't something to remember. It was just what you expect and what you see from Paul George. And then when it comes to Jimmy Butler, is like – Jimmy Butler had a terrible start to the season. He was not good to start the season. He had a stretch of about 20, 20 games that the Heat were terrible. He was terrible. They got and hurt. It was, and, it, and it wasn't until he got healthy and until the rest of the team started to gel a little bit that we actually saw the Jimmy Butler we remember. Jason Tatum and KD, to me, just deserved that spot because of what they went through this season and because of how much they elevated their games past what we thought we were going to see. So I was almost about to say Chris Paul didn't make that, but he did. I'm looking at the, the other. That would have been that would have been just that like, would have been highway NBA <laughs> So so talking about these other Joe, series and we what's Joe, that? Before you, before you go, I don't mean to step on you, but we have a rare appearance uh, on this show and in the segment. I, I believe someone Craig just asked for us to go to him next. So Craig, do you have something to say about this? Yeah, I just want to clear up the $32 million thing with Tatum. If Tatum made the NBA All-Star team, he would have increased the total of his rookie extension with the Celtics by $32 million, increasing the value of the five-year deal from $163 million to $195.6 million. This is due to the NBA Rose Rule, which allows teams to pay a player 30% of the salary cap instead of 25% of the rookie extension when a player meets one of these following criteria. Named to the All-NBA team, or in two of the past three seasons, named Defensive Player of the Year in the most recent season, or named MVP in any of the last three seasons. So that's where that is. So it's something that's in every NBA contract. Yeah. Essentially. It's in every every contract, right. I mean, Craig, <laughs> sometimes you just come in with absolute fucking fire, dude. And we just, that's it for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing, nothing but, but heat, heat from ah. the EP. Nothing but heat. Well, speaking of the heat, we're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets next. Actually, <laughs> let, let, you know what? Let's... Yeah, let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets because th- this has been a story that now, of course, that the Boston Celtics are out of the playoffs. The the focus of many Boston Celtics fans has now put their focus on Brooklyn, New York, where the New York Nets, the New York Nets, the Brooklyn Nets are. I wanted to call them the New Jersey Nets, but they're in Brooklyn. That's definitely New York. The Brooklyn Nets are tied with the Milwaukee Bucks in their best of seven series going into game five, which is on Tuesday, June 15th. So we'll, when this comes out, one team will have a three to two lead over the other in game four, the Milwaukee Bucks 
effectively blew out the Nets. I mean, they, they won going away. Kyrie Irving gets hurt in the second quarter. Giannis scores 34. Uh, and this series has been very back and forth. It's kind of been the Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton series. We've seen James Harden out with an Achilles injury. I'm sorry, hamstring injury. Then we saw Kyrie go down with the ankle the other night. And now the big conversation that we've been having among us is a conversation that I think, again, a lot of Celtics fans are having is will Milwaukee pull this series out now that there's effectively two guys on the shelf. James Harden is apparently going to play or is apparently playing in game five, which fine, he is still a little busted. It sounds like they're making him play because they need someone other than Kevin Durant. The question here is, do you want to see the Nets lose? And do you think that they will lose this series to Milwaukee? Yes, of course. As a Boston Celtics fan, I want to see the Nets lose. I want to see Kyrie eat, 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 just eat absolute garbage, right? For stomping on Lucky, all that. I don't wish, I, I don't wish him injury. I, I think uh, some of us have been talking about, about that before. Is it karma? Might be. I, I, but I didn't wish for it. But the two things that I'm, I'm that I'm going to say that will maybe provide some context into how the Milwaukee Bucks can stay in the series, right? So just allow me a couple of seconds here. These are the two reasons why I think that Milwaukee could still be in this. Chris Middleton got off to a really terrible start in the series, averaging like 15 points a game on 30% shooting, including 23% uh, from the three from three point range in the first two games. However, over the past two games, Middleton has averaged uh, 27 points on 48% shooting, including 43% from three points while playing th- 43 minutes a game. So he's heating up. Ray, you know, Ray Sean said before this season started, if Middleton's on the team, uh, you know, on the floor, and he's giving you 25 to 30 a game, then you got a problem, right? Because you have Giannis and Middleton that are, that are that are going to account for about 60 points. The second thing I'm going to say is, is that Milwaukee shot. Uh, 34% in their game four win. That's still five points below their season average. They averaged about 39% shooting from the field this year. So if, if they get exponentially better, and oh, by the way, in game four, 43 of their 47 three-point attempts, they were wide open. So if they just get better at hitting those shots and the Nets, who are terrible at defense, continue playing their game, I think Brooklyn has a problem. Now, disclaimer, this take only holds up if Harden is a one-legged Harden and if Kyrie is a one-legged Kyrie or that, that, that's, that, that's not playing. To add on to what you just said of why Milwaukee does have a chance here is because so you add in the two injuries combined with the fact that Milwaukee has actually found for the first time in the history of the NBA since Kevin Durant has entered the NBA – a Kevin Durant stopper in PJ Tucker. Listen, this dude has been an absolute shadow. Joe, you said it earlier in the Slack, like they know each other. So maybe that's why, but since PJ Tucker has started covering Durant, whenever he's on the floor, Durant is 20 for 53 from the field, which is 37%, which is about, I believe 15% below Durant's career average from the field. So, so to have that kind of impact on such a star player it is just astronomical defensive impact. You add that with the fact that the two star, other two star players for the Nets are out. Now you've canceled out all three players 
from this big three. And, and that's why Milwaukee does have a chance. I don't know if they can keep it up for the next two games, three games, but they absolutely have a chance. It, it becomes easier for them when you don't have to lock down all three of them. And yep. oh, they didn't sure. have to do that. Now, PJ Tucker has played phenomenal in these playoffs for Milwaukee. He has been unreal, and he's kind of put himself on the map, per se. I mean, he's an old-school-style player. He's a consistent player. But this has been the matchup that Mil- – I mean, Milwaukee couldn't have asked for a better situation. They're, like you guys just said, like Mike just said, you're, you're sending out a James Harden on, on one leg, and you, you may not have Kyrie. It doesn't sound like Kyrie is going to come back in this series. So it's really going to be – already- He's not. It's confirmed. Yeah, it's it's going to be down to, again, and I, I mentioned it earlier, I mean, this is where the signing of Blake Griffin comes in because now Blake Griffin has to step up and, and be the third guy, possibly the second, depending on what James Harden does. And I said it earlier to you guys, this is a lot about Kevin Durant's legacy. Oh, yeah. And it also will show what Steve Nash can do as a head coach, an unproven head coach, right? We, we just talked about this with the Celtics. The Celtics want a coach with head coaching experience. Well, the Nets have a coach that doesn't have head coaching experience before taking over for the, I almost said it again, New Jersey Nets, for the Brooklyn Nets. And, and here they are. So show us what you can do because this Milwaukee team, it's really interesting when you actually look at this roster. While there's a lot of really good players, there it is kind of a lot of misfit toys as well. You have Giannis, sure. You have Chris Middleton, sure. Drew Holiday, yep. Brooke Lopez, been around for a long time. You have P.J. Tucker, Pat Connaughton, Andover, Massachusetts' own Pat Connaughton. You have Bobby Portis. I mean, you have guys that are able to play the game well. It's just not pretty to watch. But if Milwaukee can shut down Durant, like Bobby just said, I think it's going to go seven, but I really think Milwaukee can can pull this out and knock the Nets out, which would be a shock to the, the NBA. Yeah, I completely agree. It would be an absolute shock. But at the same time, is like I, I think – so two things first. Steve Nash is, to me, no matter what happens in this series, he's been a success as an NBA head coach. He's been unbelievable this year. Yeah, the way he's handled everything with the stars being out, with the Kyrie situation, with just everything, how it's unfolded. I really think Steve Nash has been above and beyond what we could have expected of him. But to go to the Bucks, I think a lot of people are underestimating who this team actually is. Because if you remember last year, it was an absolute travesty that this team didn't get to the NBA Finals. So now I do think that they're relishing in this underdog role that they're in with the Nets. And also, I think that, you know, we talk about KD's legacy a lot. I think this series is going to show a lot about Giannis's legacy, too, when we look back on it. Because if he can't get past this beat-up Nets team with a healthy Bucks team as a constructive with Giroux, they went out and got Giroux for him. They kept all, they kept Middleton. They gave him the Supermax. And if he still can't get by a beat-up Nets team, I think this is something we remember for a long time about Giannis. I mean, just don't forget that like Kevin Durant is still uh, one of, if not the best player that's still actively playing in, in, in the NBA when he's healthy, right? He just is. He is the most prolific scorer. He's, he, he's, for a man his size to do what he can do on a court, it's unbelievable to watch. And, you know, the Nets are 5-1 and one this year when the two other big three members are out and KD starts. 5-1 and one against who, though? 
and what and they were all in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, you you had six chances, you only lose one game. I don't I don't care if you're playing against the Harm Globetrotters, right? It, it, it's still like he, well, they never lose, Mike. But what I but what I will say is Durant. I think Durant's legacy is more on the line in this series than than Giannis's is, right? Because at the end of the day, you could still make the argument that yeah, if the Nets win, that Giannis you know didn't capitalize on the fact that two of the stars were hurt. Sure, but that was after three and a half games. Yeah, and Durant's been around for thirteen years, and I've said it. I said it to you guys already. Like, if, if he can go out and win this series as the guy for what it's worth. I'm a nobody in this situation, but he will then have proven to me that he is who everyone expected. Just this series, not even an NBA championship, just this series will cement for me, his career and his legacy and completely validate the two rings that he won with golden state which we've talked about and, you know, okay, he's ring chasing fine. I mean, he found an opportunity and went and took it. He can cement his legacy in this series. He cannot, to me, he cannot ruin his legacy in this series. Well, but what is it? Okay. So to that point, right. What is his legacy to you right now? A guy that is one of the best players in the NBA, but cannot be the guy on a team. Yeah, sure. Okay, so losing in this series won't hurt that. It will, it will, but it will prove it, right? It'll go one step further to proving it. Right now, I, I think the consensus out there is that he can't, like, he's never been the guy on a team. He's been a guy on the team, right? So sure. Now, now is his chance to do something about it. And if you get past the Bucks and you go and you go to the Eastern Conference Finals, and if you can get, if he's able to get the Brooklyn Nets into the NBA finals with a big three that is consistently injured and in, in these playoffs are hurt, frable, whatever you want to say, then yeah, all that criticism goes away because I truly believe, and again, I'm not like, I'm not the basketball savant. This is the best version of Katie that we've seen. And this is the first time in a situation that we've seen that this is the team that he is on, that he is the leader of. He is the glue that holds mm-hmm. everything together for which mm-hmm. everything that everything good that happens is because of him. Everything bad that happens is in spite of him. Right. So now it's his time to prove it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, man, it's especially with how, like you said, those two out of the big three going down. And now all of a sudden he's leading this team by himself. And not to mention the rest of the team, this was constructed to be a big three. And when you construct it to be a big three, the rest of the role players usually suffer. The Bucks are constructed to be a full basketball team. You know what I mean? Like they could lose one or two guys and it wouldn't affect the team as much as it affects the Nets. When it comes to Durant, if he actually leads the rest of this squad to the NBA finals, it'll put him up on a different pedestal. That literally is the LeBron the MJ that level, if he can actually lead this Nets team with these two injured superstars to an NBA finals. I mean, you look at what they're going against right now. If they can do that without those two guys, that's a whole different thing altogether. If they, whichever team wins that series, they'll have to play the 76ers or the Atlanta Hawks. And I don't think I've ever been as into, well, except last year when we had first started the podcast, but I I might be more into the, the NBA playoffs this year that may or may not have something to do with uh, DraftKings, not a sponsor, but watching these series and watching these teams play that Utah series with LA with the Clippers has been outstanding. Uh, the 76ers Hawks series has been the least exciting of the four series, but now it's the third exciting because the 
always exciting Phoenix Suns have taken down the Denver Nuggets. But guys, here's one of the final questions I want to pose to you. Let's say Milwaukee pulls the series out against the Nets. Atlanta beats up on Philadelphia. Utah wins against LA. Your final four teams in the NBA conference finals are the Phoenix Suns and the Utah Jazz and the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. What does that say about the state of the NBA, good or bad? I'm not saying it's it's one way or the other. And do, will it hurt the TV ratings going forward? I, I, I think it is great for the league, but it's terrible for ratings, right? In the short term, I think right now like, the, the goal is for you to believe as a fan that, that every franchise has a chance to win. And the problem with that is, though, is that when it happens and you're not expecting it, if all four of those things happen at the same time, like there, how is there how is there interest, right? I think that you'd be finding fans or ratings of, of, of people that are watching to see that team that just eliminated their team lose. Fine. Sure. I get it. I think, but I, I do think it's good in the league because it, you do want to have a situation where you think like, oh, Phoenix is on the rise, right? That's great. And then you have Utah, great. Nuggets, awesome. All the players that, not the Miami Heat, not the Boston Celtics, not the Lakers, not the Spurs over the last 20 years, you can have a situation where you finally can say, you know what? The Bucks aren't just like this, this one-and-done team. They've actually, they might actually have some championship DNA in them. They might, they might make it. And, you know, Giannis, if Giannis gets a ring – in this season, having to go through that big three, even if you know they're they're not they're not fully healthy, I think that he's the I think he's the next superstar of this league. I think like he can you can actually if you're, if you're the NBA, you can hitch your wagons to him. Yeah, I I think they have a couple routes to do that honestly, because if you look at the teams that are left, if there's multiple guys that need that ring to become that next level superstar status, we have Devin Booker. We have Joel, Joel Embiid, Giannis, all these guys, if they get that ring, they're now etched into NBA history as superstars who led their team to a ring. So I, I think the NBA has a lot of growth potential based off those four teams that you just mentioned. I also think that they have a lot of potential to be absolutely screwed based off those four Short teams. Short term, yeah. Short term, right. Especially because NBA ratings are already down. Yeah, um, there, there's already a, a possibility of a Phoenix Suns Atlanta Hawks finals, and I think to me that's just an absolute disaster for the NBA. Like, if you asked at the beginning of the season who are the two teams that camp in the NBA finals for NBA revenue, it'd be the Atlanta Hawks first. But finish. I mean, it would turn out that, that that those games that you would watch would probably be the best games to watch. Well, and, and they'd sure. be so fun. Those two games would be so yeah. Fun. And it would be like, oh, well, you know, those games are great, but if nobody watched them, did they actually happen? Yes, I, I promise they did, and, and, and we won't ban those in a future show. I, I promise. But yeah, I think not. to see a team like the Phoenix Suns, who were undefeated in the bubble last year but still missed out on the playoffs, make the NBA Finals and, and, and maybe win it with Chris Paul, right? Yeah, that that's, entire that's narrative. A story, man. That's yeah. a story. The guy couldn't be the guy on a team to win it, but he happened to be next to the guy. And, and after all these years, that's something. My hot take, Joe, I know that you asked a question that we've expounded upon. That I, I do I do really apologize. Go ahead. Go ahead. My pick, my hope, I truly hope that the Los Angeles Clippers win the NBA championship the year after Dog yeah, Rivers left with the team that he with the team that with the team that he constructed but could not lead to glory. That for me. 
that was again, Joe. That, that was for you. That would validate every conversation moving forward with Ray Sean about Doc. Okay, so b- before we dig into that, all right. So I really, so to expound even further on what you said earlier, Joe. The I really do think the ultimate goal, though, for the NBA is to end up with two teams in the NBA Finals that are healthy and play good basketball because the storyline so far this entire season, right? The entire season has been all these superstar injuries. It's almost every single week. It's another person going down with an injury. So, so that to me, no matter who's in there, I don't think they care as long as it's not affected by injury. I think that's the ultimate goal for the NBA when it comes down to it, because they want this season to be a success and they don't ever want it to be looked back upon as that season. That was because of injury we already had the bubble season they don't want to have another one that's quoted by is like oh well that was the year lebron went down and that was the year that Kyrie went down and that so that to me i think is the ultimate goal it is pretty amazing that we have a season where we see Kyrie and james harden going down we have um russell westbrook missing the playoffs and but we have a healthy paul george and a healthy chris paul what the hell is <laughs> what what a, what a year 2020 2021 is it, it has been a, a fun season and and i think when it comes down to it i agree with you bobby i don't think it's gonna matter which two teams make it as long as it's a good series and it will be good for the nba in the long run and mike i i thought you were gonna go a different route with that because I, I didn't even think of the doc rivers narrative for you that fits your narrative for yes you, that fits well. your narrative perfectly but again as a celtics fan to see not only LeBron James, but the Los Angeles Lakers get bounced. And then the team that plays in the same building as them win the championship. To me, that adds a little bit more. Your storyline is much better than mine. Mine's personal. Mine's personal. But but, you're, but yours is much better because it is kind of a, a Boston Celtics thing as well. It's between you and Ray. You guys can talk about it at your wedding. But it... <laughs> it's for... I had to, I said, sorry, uh, just had to throw that in there. It would, it would be great, but I mean, Philadelphia, um, Philadelphia is still in it. So, but it would be like shades of Tony Dungy and uh, John Gruden, uh, John Gruden. Well, this has been a band of superstars here tonight, though. We talked basketball without our two big basketball guys, but that's okay. So we're going to finish off this episode of Missing the Point right there for Mike Marcangelo, the real BK Bob Kelly. As always, our executive producer, Craig D'Alessandro. I am Joe Malkin. Thank you for joining us on Missing the Point. We'll talk to you next time. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric.
Electric Ass. 